0: What's happening, everybody? On today's show, the SEC meetings in Destin are underway. We already have some more to the aftermath of Saban versus Jimbo. Also, some interesting comments from Billy Napier, Kirby Smart, Eli Drinkwitz, Brian Kelly. All that coming your way right now. Locked on SEC starts right now.
1: You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. Great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. And remember, Locked on SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. All right, let's jump into it. Got plenty to discuss. The SEC spring meetings taking place in Destin, Florida this week. And the big issue, of course, taking center stage is the recent fight between Alabama head coach Nick Saban and Texas A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher. So when the seating chart came out for the uh, SEC meetings this week, there were a lot of people interested to see where everybody would be sitting. And it came out on social media that uh, basically everybody would be sitting in order, uh, alphabetical order of their school. Starting with Nick Saban, Alabama, Sam Pittman, Arkansas, Brian Harson, Auburn, Billy Napier, Florida, and so on and so forth around the table. However, where the tees go, right behind Tennessee and Josh Heupel, uh, right ahead of Clark Lee at Vanderbilt, Jimbo Fisher was not there. Jimbo Fisher was seated at the far side of the table with uh, in the middle of a bunch of the SEC officials, newly appointed David Cutcliffe, uh, along with Greg Sankey, William King, Mark Womack and others. So pretty interesting stuff that they separated Jimbo from the rest of the coaches. Now, you know, about six people down from Nick Saban, uh, Jimbo Fisher sits on the, on the table, but uh, was very interesting to see that come out, led to a lot of speculation. If he was put there to avoid, uh, you know, yet another outburst with Nick Saban. Um, But also, you know, some people also said Fisher, sitting at the head of the table because he's now the head of the the chair of the football coaches group. So that could be an explanation as well. But uh, fans and media uh, were all chiming in on social media saying, you know, trying to guess on why he was not seated alphabetically among school names when everybody else was. Now, uh, Saban, you know, of course, accused Texas A&M of buying every player and it's, uh, recruiting class a couple of weeks ago uh, then Jimbo Fisher responded and just went after Saban calling him a narcissist and uh, implying that he's done things dirty in the past so obviously that was the big storyline and the focus this week uh, Glenn Gilbo from Outkick he chimed in and said uh, uh, Nick Saban just crossed paths with Jimbo Fisher this is prior to the start of the meetings in the Hilton lobby here at the SEC meetings, Nick was walking by, Jimbo was in the cafe on the phone, and never saw him as his back was to him. So, it's uh, it's one of those things where everybody's going to be kind of keeping an eye on them all week long and seeing what kind of, uh, maybe not altercation, but interaction that they have throughout the week. Now, Nick Saban did meet with the media on Tuesday morning, and... Uh, he said he did not accuse any schools of doing anything wrong, but he added that he shouldn't have mentioned specific programs during his comments. He said, I didn't say anybody did anything wrong, and I've said everything I wanted to say about this. I should have never mentioned any individual school. He also said, I did not say any anybody did anything wrong. I have no problem with Jimbo Fisher. Here's a little bit of what it sounded like. Nick Saban uh, talking with the media.
1: Coach uh, Olin Buchanan, techsags.com. Um, What evidence did you have that uh, Texas A&M bought its entire recruiting class? You know, I I, I didn't really say that anybody did anything wrong. Well, you said they bought their recruiting class. I didn't say anybody did anything wrong, okay? And I've said everything I'm going to say about this. But, you know, I I think that, um, you know, I guess the point, and I should have never mentioned any individual institutions, I said that before, but, you know, some kind of uniform uh, name, image, and likeness, you know, standard uh, that supports some kind of equitable uh, national competition, uh, I think is really, really important in college athletics, and college football. And we've always had that, you know, whether it's equal scholarships, equal Austin money, you know, whatever it might be. And um, so that's kind of point one. You know, point two is we need some kind of transparency in name, image, and likeness deals, you know, to verify that, um, you know, players are doing what they need to do to uh, have the opportunity to, you know, make money in name, image, and likeness. And believe me, I'm all for players making as much as they can make, okay? Uh, But I also think that, you know, we've gotta have some uniform, transparent way to do that Uh, Our players did extremely well last year um, in name, image, and likeness because they got agents, they had representation, uh, they had people who uh, wanted them to um, actually endorse something for them. And they did very, very well. And it's public record and you can see how well they did. And I think that also student athletes need some protection um, from, you know, unfair name, image, and likeness representation or deals, um, you know, you could have a player, and we've had this happen to us in the past, that thinks he's signing one thing and he signs something else and gives up his freedom of choice in the future as to who represents him. Um, you know, we have no oversight, you know, right now for players, you know, when it comes to this. and. You know, I also think that, you know, boosters, you know, should continue to be precluded from recruiting, um, including use of, you know, name, image, and likeness offers, you know, prior to, you know, enrollment. So, um, you know, that's basically, you know, what I have to say about, you know, some of the things that I think we need to do from a college football perspective. This is not about Alabama. This is not about what's best for us um I just hope that we can sort of put some guardrails you know on all this. I read something in the Wall Street Journal that said you know what we've done in college football and I'm paraphrasing here is um, put a canoe on top of our SUV to go to the lake, didn't tie it down, took off and just hope for the best <laughs> and um I think that's you know kind of where we are right now and Uh, I I think it's a great thing for players um, you know to to have the opportunity they've always been able to work I've always said I've encouraged you know this whole name image and likeness thing for you know players to be able to earn money so um, it's uh, it's just something that I think we need to make sure that we have a uniform way to have equitable competition Uh, it's transparent we protect the student athlete um, and you know, boosters have never been involved in recruiting, and uh, hopefully, you know, we will not allow that to happen relative to this. Service. Is Jimbo lying when you say when he says that uh, that they didn't do anything have to, no to bother Jimbo? I have no problem with Jimbo at all. Let's yeah, move on here.
0: So there you have it. That was Nick Saban's uh, conversation at the podium regarding NIL, and uh, that's as far as he got on further discussion regarding Jimbo. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Uh, When we return, we'll get into a little bit of what Kirby Smart and Billy Napier had to say at SEC Uh, meetings in Destin. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that your car will need. Uh, You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when you use Rock Auto Uh, People are saving 30%, 50%, sometimes even 100% uh, more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Uh, Obviously, they are charging you out of this world. Rock Auto is saving you time and money. They are a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. They've got everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet Go explore their easy-to-use website today. You can find the solution to all your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and make sure you're right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you an amazing selection of reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com continue on here on locked on SEC and uh, first just want to remind you guys we have an important favor to ask you we've put together a survey so you can learn more about list uh, we can mer- learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite locked on podcasts even better it's an opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about locked on podcasts go to uh locked on podcast.com slash survey right now to get started won't take very long everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards take our survey go to lockedonpodcasts.com/survey thanks for your help all right getting back into recapping uh, what happened in day 1 of the SEC meetings in Destin and Kirby Smart and Billy Napier They were among some of the coaches who spoke uh, at the the spring meetings. A major topic of discussion, obviously still, Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. However, a lot of the coaches did not want to get into it. Billy Napier was asked about the Saban-Fisher spat. Uh, Billy Napier said, quote, Coach Saban has been instrumental in my career. A lot of what I learned, a lot of what I have applied, I am not foolish enough to comment on their issues. I'll leave that to them. They've both... Been very successful. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Meanwhile, Kirby Smart, he also deflected, said, To be honest with you, my phone started blowing up right when uh, Jimbo started to make his comments. And he said, I I haven't thought about it a day since. The world we operate in, you're worried about what's in front of you right now. I'm not really worried about a feud between two guys that used to sit in the same staff meetings and had similar conversations at the end of the day. Sometimes things get heated. You'd rather not be in a public arena, but at the end of the day, things like that happen. It's not something I'd prefer to comment on, to be honest with you. I'm worried about what we do at Georgia, and that's my focus. So we'll get a little bit more on what Kirby had to say in a second. But first, let's jump back to Billy Napier. Uh, Outside of the Saban and Jimbo spat, uh, Billy Napier is... uh, was asked about trying to navigate the waters in the new landscape of name, image, and likeness. And Billy Napier said, quote, there is a ton of gray area relative to what you can do and what you can't. There's no manual. There's no parameters, no guidelines. Uh, So much of this changing and very unclear. Napier said he believes it will be a strength at Florida because of the school's resources, their network and quote, passion, the history and tradition of the Florida Gator program. So, Again, a lot of coaches kind of reiterating the same thing. Brian Kelly was asked about it. Uh, He said he does not believe employment status for athletes is the way to go when it comes to NIL. Brian Kelly from LSU saying, I don't think the players want contracts. I don't think they want to be traded. I'm sure they don't want to be cut. These are all things that are, you know, we're going down the road of, you know, do we pay every student athlete? Are they an employee? Do they make a salary? Can they be cut? These are all the things that are uh, on the table, I guess, for future discussions regarding NIL uh, and, you know, players being paid and all that kind of stuff. So just more to the conversation. Uh, one other note with Kirby Smart speaking with the media. He uh, says that there's one rule change that uh, he does not support. Kirby Smart speaking with reporters Tuesday morning, said he prefers for the SEC to stick to its current transfer rules. According to those rules, players have to share their intention to transfer by February 1st in order to uh, be eligible at a different SEC school the following fall. Um, by May 1st, uh, in order to be eligible at any school outside of the SEC. So if you want to transfer in the SEC, you got to do it by February 1st. If you want to transfer to a school outside of the SEC, you got to do it by May 1st. Uh, Kirby said, look, you know, I prefer the way things currently are when there's two windows as they are. I think that it's tremendously difficult to go through three to four months of workouts, spring practice, and then have your roster change within your conference. You know, it's one thing to say, okay, May 1st, a guy can leave and go anywhere he wants. That happens. I think a lot of times that's for the good of the player. We've had some kids that realized in the spring they may not get the opportunity they so desired and they wanted to go look at other schools. There's hundreds of other schools that they can look at uh the interesting thing here is he says uh there's hundreds of schools uh they they can look at to say they can't go in the sec i think it's a good thing to have a date set earlier they make a decision coming out of the season if they want to explore their options within the conference but we'll see how the meetings go smarts comments come on the heels of alabama proposing the sec do away with the intra-conference transfer rule and instead extend the deadline to may 1st which would be for everything so in other words the, the uh, Alabama's proposing May 1st is the deadline. And you can transfer anywhere in the conference, out of conference, whatever. I think Kirby brings up an interesting point, And just to take it a step further, if a kid goes through the entire spring with say Alabama, and then realizes he's not going to be starting and wants to hit the portal and does so by May 1st, and then goes to Auburn, he can bring all the plays and everything that he had at Alabama and take it over to the rival school Um, after going through all of spring ball and and spring practice and all that. So, again, I don't know what the right answer is to it, but it's just another thing uh, to uh, add to the table, the laundry list of topics being discussed at the SEC meetings this week in Destin. So, very very interesting there on where some of the coaches disagree and uh, differ in their stance on things. Now, Eli Drinkwitz and the Missouri Tigers – Uh, just one little tidbit of news from them. They were looking into adding a big name transfer quarterback. They were showing interest in JT Daniels from Georgia, Jaden Daniels from Arizona state, Jerry Bohannon from Baylor. Eventually they landed former Southern Miss and Mississippi state quarterback, Jack Abraham via the portal during his media availability on Tuesday. Eli Drinkwitz talked about Jack Abraham saying he became a possibility for us. Our quarterback room has two younger guys in it. And we're looking for someone with some experience in our first six games. We have three of those on the road in really difficult environments. Manhattan, Kansas, at Auburn, and at Alabama, and and, uh, Gainesville. He said we wanted to have some experience in that room. When asked if any quarterbacks had an edge in the battle to be QB1 so far, Frank Witt said no. So we will see how that Missouri quarterback battle plays out over the next couple of months. But Jack Abraham's certainly in the mix to earn that starting job for the Missouri Tigers. Thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we'll hear what Nick Saban had to say about uh, future scheduling for the SEC. That's coming your way in just a second. But first, our partners at online they continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports information. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA uh, playoffs which are in the finals already mlb scores fights and even next season's nfl futures bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs esports and more you can head to their website today you can do so on your mobile device learn all about the trends and action it's betonline.net. BetOnline. bet online it is where the game starts Continue on here, Locked On SEC, and we've been discussing a lot of what took place day one of the SEC spring meetings, and one of the big topics that is coming up is the future of the scheduling in the conference. When you add Oklahoma and Texas, what is going to happen? Well, uh, on Tuesday, Nick Saban, speaking with the media, he said he supports a move to nine conference games. He added that he is in favor of eliminating games that don't do much to draw fan interest. Saban said, I've always been more for playing uh, conference games, more conference games, rather eliminating some of these games that fans, players, supporters are not really interested in. You know what he's talking about. The November game against Chattanooga or whoever, that's the, you know, the game where Sabin's saying it's hard to still draw a crowd and draw interest there. So what is the best model? Saban said, that is the issue. other conferences going to play more conference games. Well, it seems likely with 16 teams, once the Longhorns and Sooners join, that nine conference games makes the most sense. You can uh, be flexible and, and change them out, but there's still the issue of how each team's eight or nine conference games will be decided. There's still a lot of work to be done, so we will see what ultimately they decide. But look, it, not every schedule is going to be created equally. That's why I think you need to do away with some of the permanent uh, crossover opponents because, you know, when when a school like LSU has to play Florida every year and Alabama has had the luxury of playing Tennessee every year, and I know that's a great rivalry that goes back for years, but for the past decade plus, it's kind of been a bye week for Alabama. No offense to Tennessee. They're getting better. Don't get me wrong. But it's been an easier win for Alabama. Um, Georgia and Auburn. You know, Auburn can be having a great year, but you play Georgia, who's become a juggernaut now. That's a tough one. And again, I know it's the Deep South's oldest rivalry. It's one we don't want to lose. But, uh, you know, I almost wonder, do you just do the uh, one permanent crossover? So you keep your rival, whoever that is. They stay on your schedule no matter what. And then you rotate amongst the other eight. Now, the good thing about that is you'll get to see Opponents more often, you'll get to travel to more SEC destinations that you don't typically do. Keep in mind on the current cycle we're on, you know, some teams are going a decade plus before they uh, play at certain venues. Um, you know, if you're an SEC West team, there may be an SEC East team that you haven't played at in a decade. That this is going to happen um, even more so if you keep a good number of the permanent uh, opponents. Now. There was some talk of doing a pod system where you have four teams of four pods. And so, you know, you would be in a division with three other teams that you would play every year. And then the other games would rotate. All the other teams would rotate around on your schedule. I think that makes sense. Well, apparently there was a report this week that the pods are a no-go. That the uh, coaches don't want to do that or some of the schools don't want to do the pods. Uh, apparently A&M, according to multiple reports, them in Texas have no interest in being a pod, in a pod with one another. So, again, I think you look at it and you go to each school and you say, who's your one permanent crossover, your one permanent rival team that you've got to play every year? Uh, you know, if you're Alabama, is it Auburn? If you're Auburn, are you choosing Alabama or are you choosing Georgia? Uh, you know, Old Miss and Mississippi State is an easy one. You know, Texas? It's an interesting one a debate because is it Oklahoma or is it Texas A and I think they would probably say Oklahoma because of the Red River Shootout and that rivalry has gone you know for for so many years. But we have the lost rivalry of A and in Texas. Um, there's so much to be decided here, but again, I think what you got to do is do what's best for the fans and what's best for the conference. And in my opinion, what I've been saying for for years and years is you have to have a more you know make the schedule a little bit more balanced. Make the playing field a little bit more level with scheduling, and also get the rotation going, where you can uh, SEC fans can get to cities and destinations that they haven't been to in a long time. You shouldn't have to wait a decade to go visit, uh, you know, another city if you're South Carolina and you never play at Ole Miss. You know, that's a that's that's a problem. That should be something that happens more often. You could fix that with uh, a more balanced schedule. You know, I bring this up all the time. There have been years where you know Alabama in the East has played Tennessee and Vanderbilt. Meanwhile, you know Auburn plays uh, Georgia and Florida in the East. That's not a balanced schedule. Uh, Auburn's playing a tougher schedule that year than Alabama is. So again, I don't know what the full answer is. I don't know what they will end up deciding, but I do think there's a real opportunity here to uh, get a more balanced schedule going and get be able to get to uh, play some. Uh, at some venues that you don't get to play at as often as you like. So we will see what ultimately happens with more updates coming from the SEC meetings in Destin throughout the week. I'm Chris Gordy. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen. Now you'll make your second listen. Check out the Locked on NBA Big Board podcast. Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Doolin. Give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest rankings, and of course, big boards. Follow Locked On NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for listening to Locked On SEC. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.